0: If you haven't watched the exhilarating documentary 4x3000, a journey through the toughest bike race in the world, then you're in for a real treat with this episode. We feature three of the racers of the elite 4-man Race Across America team, who are also record holders in their 8-person team crossing. Kurt Broadhag, Tony Rastucia, and Chris DeMarkey are the stars of today's show where we discuss bombing down descents like Wolf Creek Pass over 60 miles per hour and racing 20-minute intervals all the way across America averaging 25 to 30-plus miles per hour. These guys are elite Cat 1 racers in USA Cycling, so there's some really intense and awesome topics that we'll be covering. I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey, Ultra Family, Justin Two here, your host today of the Ultra Cycling Show. Thanks for tuning in to today's really special episode with the all-star four-person team of Ram. They raced in 2014, 15, and in 2016, they made a documentary, which is going to be a focal point of this episode. It's titled 4 by 3000 They've also raced in an eight-person team, Team Beamer, and they hold the fastest time and fastest average speed. So it's really a pleasure to have, well, three of you on the show right now, but we'll add the fourth one. Thanks, Tony, Chris, and Kurt. How are you guys doing?
1: Great. Thanks for having us.
0: All right. So just so everybody knows, let's see, top left, we have Tony. Tony, give us your uh, name, age, location, and occupation so we get to know you in a nutshell.
2: Um, Tony Restucia, um 40-something, living in Boise, um, software engineer.
0: All right. Oh, very cool. Boise, Idaho, right, in the United States, for those who don't yep. know? All right, cool. Okay. Chris, how about you? Name, age, location, and occupation?
1: Uh, My name is Chris DeMarkey. Um, I am 49, and I live in Kailua, Kona, on the big island of Hawaii. And um, occupation, I uh, do some bike riding tour groups here in Hawaii, let people uh, ride the island, and I take them on excursions on their bicycles.
0: Nice. That's awesome. I was going to say, I thought maybe you're retired.
1: That's a Uh, lot. Pretty much. (laughs) That's all fun. So yeah, I'm pretty much retired.
0: Yeah. Nice. That's so cool. All right. So Kurt, name, age, location, occupation, please.
3: So uh, my name is Kurt Brodick. I guess I'm the grandpa. I'm 50, 50, uh, soon to be 51. I live in Long Beach, California, and uh, I have a company that designs uh, gyms
0: around the world. Wow. Fascinating. All right. We'll have to touch on that a little bit more. Of course, It is a four-person team that you guys have raced in a lot, and the other member is Phil Tinsman, and he will be joining us shortly, so looking forward to hearing from him as well. But really excited to have you all on the show, and I want to show folks some of the photos and other resources that you guys have sent through so we can get a visual of what we're going to be chatting about and what you guys have done. See a lot of fun. Of course, many of the viewers will be familiar with all these photos start and finish line of the Race Across America. See a lot of smiles there, so a lot of fun. And of course, 4x3000 is the documentary that you guys put together for your 2016 four-person relay team for the Race Across America, racing 3,000 miles across. I highly encourage folks to check out your website, 4x3000.com. And they could see links to where they can watch the movie and also the trailer, which I'd love to play here. Amazon, for example, people can check that out, rent that. It's a good watch. Thanks again for the preview. And of course, here's the team. Kurt, Chris, Tony. There's Phil. So looking forward to talking about all the adventures, of course, in the documentary. There is so much excitement in there, a lot of tough times, good times, funny times, just all kinds of things. And you guys each have a unique personality. So looking forward to uh, learning more and getting to know all of you. But before then, why don't we take a quick sneak peek of the documentary trailer so that way everybody can kind of get a visual if they haven't seen it already. All right, here we go.
3: A lot of people could do it, but uh, to compete and win, uh, it takes a lot more than that. All the riders and the crew, all staying positive. The better everybody does at that, the more obstacles we can overcome. We are riding across the country. What's the read on that? 10.9, supposed to be 13. We're officially in
0: Mosquito Country. This is one of the longest races in the world.
1: Hardest day ever, but we'll get through it.
3: It's a matter of people trying to work together.
1: We're all in.
0: All right! Wow! Epic! Exciting! First of all, I gotta say super great job whoever uh produced that for you guys uh you want to give a shout out
3: so uh we we had a just a a team of uh, two brothers and um and then one other person so it was a three man uh crew um hmm. bryce uh was the one who basically did the whole thing he he directed it he did all the shooting he edited it and then i kind of helped with the the production side of it but uh Uh, We took a gamble on on them. They haven't really done a full documentary like that before, and we feel like they kind of hit it out of the park.
0: Wow. Yeah, most definitely. After watching that, wow, very entertaining, very fun. And, of course, you guys are all great actors, so that makes a big difference. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. Well, we're going to chat about the documentary and all of your Race Across America experiences. I mean, you guys have raced it four times, uh, 2014, 15, 16, and 18. So super busy with that. I'm sure there's so much wisdom, knowledge, a lot of fun tips and tricks and other things that are in the documentary and others that perhaps didn't make the final cut. But before then, we'd love to get started with a short sprint round of questions, a series of questions to get to know all of you uh, a little bit more. And um, since there's so many of us, let's try to keep the answers on the shorter end, and it'll be a little competition who can say the shortest answer. Okay. In a nutshell, how long have you each been riding bicycles and or consider yourself being an ultra cyclist? Perhaps you could just say in number of years. All right, Tony, how about you first?
2: Um, cycling for about... 18, and ultra since, I don't know, 2014, I guess, when we started Ram.
0: Mm, Wow, that's a rude awakening for ultra cycling. All right, Chris, how about you?
1: Uh, I've been riding uh, about 31 years or so, um, and same ultra cycling uh, uh, Ram 2000. 16 or 2014 i mean it was just that's when we decided we were gonna change
0: Ah, i see okay so you guys kind of all uh, got yourself into that big old mess called ram very nice (laughs) all right kurt how about you
3: uh same as chris i've been racing for about 30 years and and uh, just like the other two um, 2014 is when you really kind of decided to take this leap into this into this new type of uh, cycling and and uh, hit it hard in 2014 and haven't stopped since. Nice. So
0: you guys are I know all Kurt vendors. and
2: I had um done some like longer rides, like two hundred miles ish, but hmm. that doesn't prepare you for RAM at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Especially if the speed at which you all are racing that, that's a whole nother ball game. All right, how about Phil? Do you know how long he has been riding? Yeah.
1: Probably about thirty 29 years and he got his start racing, uh, pro mountain bikes down downhill, pro mountain bikes.
0: Oh, all right. It's a lot of experience behind this team. No wonder you guys have been able to pull off all that you have been able to, of course, in the eight person team, as I had mentioned earlier, you guys do hold the fastest time and fastest average speed uh, for the eight person Ram relay teams. That's a really fantastic. All right. Fun question. How many bicycles do each of you own? And just tell me, which one is your favorite one? Tony?
2: Um, Right now, I think five. And I still like my felt TT bike that we did many rams on.
0: Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, That looks like a fast machine. All right. Chris, how about you?
1: Um, I have five. My wife has three, so we have eight. Plus, I uh, know eight, including a tandem. And my favorite bike at the moment—I think I switch a little bit. Uh, my favorite bike at the moment is my Core Tech gravel bike. It's super fun, uh, and there's the gravel scene here in Hawaii is really good.
0: Right. Yeah, and you were chatting before we started the recording. All kinds of amazing rides out there, and especially climbs. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Big climbs. Uh, there's, you get up into the coffee fields, there's 30% climbs, you, you get it all. You can get down on the ocean and get tailwinds, headwinds. I mean, you can make a day of anything here on the, on the island.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a good training campground for Race Across America. I'll have to fly out there for one of your training camps one day. <laughs> Kurt, how many bicycles do you own? Which is your favorite?
3: Uh, I think you can see some in the background. I, I probably have like 15 bikes. And I'd say my favorite are probably um, 2015, 16, and 18 R-RAM. We did custom bikes. Um, so I like riding those. You can see one right in the background. Um, that's the actually the movie bike. Just brings back a lot of memories when I'm on them, just as far as, you know, the different RAM things that we did.
0: Yeah, totally. A lot of great memories I can only imagine. Now, fun question real quick as I add on to that. Um, your favorite bikes for each of you, have any of you named your bicycle? No. No. No names. Wow, I'm surprised. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I've All heard right. of people doing this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have heard of a, at least a few other people doing it, so I don't feel totally alone in that. <laughs> uh, I may have, may, have to, may have to cut this section out of the recording. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay.
1: What is the name of your bike?
0: Well, my primary one, the first one that I fell in love with, Baby Grace is her name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of fun. Got to give them a little personality, you know, and treat them right. Okay, what bicycle computer do each of you use? Do you guys use the same?
2: Uh, During Ram, I think we all had Garmin's, but yeah, and I just switched over to a a Wahoo. Yeah, called. I forget.
1: So I just switched over to a Wahoo, uh, Rome, and it's fantastic.
0: Cool.
3: Yeah, I think in the first couple of years of RAM, we were trying to use a Garmin. We were always trying to download the course and use the Garmin off that, and we never had any luck with them. So, um, if we can find something in the future that we can actually do that on, that'd probably be pretty awesome. All
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same sentiment, same kind of a trend I've seen switching from Garmin to Wahoo. Now, I will mention that we've done an episode. By the time folks see this one, they'll have also seen published one with the organizer of a new bikepacking event called TransCanada, 12,500 kilometers, almost 8,000 miles of riding from Yukon, Canada, all the way to the East Coast. And uh, he is actually a software geek and uh, software business owner, software company. And he's actually designed his own specifically for bikepacking um, with a longer battery life and many of the things that, you know, a garment has a shortcoming for him. So stay tuned for that, I suppose. We'll follow and see if we can get our hands on one of those. Next question I have for you guys. What size tire do you like to use and what's your preferred tire pressure? Tony, why don't you go first?
2: Um I mean, I think I've gotten onto the trend with everybody else running like 25, 27, 28s on the road. But I think we did most of our Rams on like 25-ish tires. Yeah,
1: 25 so-ups. Mm.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think the first year we made the mistake of actually running tubes, you know, eight flats later, we never did that again. And I don't know if we had any flats after that, like yeah. for three years. Yeah, you did.
3: <laughs> Every year you'd have a flat.
2: <laughs> i broke a wheel
3: <laughs>
1: i um so yeah the trend i'm actually running tubeless uh i run 28s and air pressure uh depends between 68 and max 75 max 75 yeah. and i love wow. it that's fantastic
0: yeah, yeah.
3: interesting
1: i I'll, I'll I think the last flat we
3: had was probably in the movie you'll yep. see it if we huh. chris Absolutely. wasn't happy with
0: yeah i know geez you guys are really racing all the things actually reminds me in the trailer there was the uh the scene where uh i think chris you were there stopped at the train tracks right what's coming through yeah yeah tell me a little bit about that i mean how frustrating is that when you guys are going uh, breakneck speed and then you have to stop there i mean how long did you even have to stop
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it all depends. I think that stop was probably about 10 minutes and, you know, in the middle of the United States, you get some of these trains and uh, you just don't know what to expect. Um, The only thing you can do is kind of smile. I mean, you, you just have to laugh it off because you know, other teams are going through it and that's the kind of stuff you can't really uh, spend too much time on. I can tell you uh, there was a time uh, in Colorado um, it was super hot, and um, I made the train, and our vehicle didn't,
2: oh.
1: and I was riding in 100 plus with, and I was only supposed to be out there for about 20 minutes, and I was out there for almost like 55 minutes. It's completely out of water, completely wow. didn't have any food, and it was just everything, and that's when you're like, oh my gosh, what what do you do, you know, like... And it's because our vehicle was getting gas. I went through the train tracks, and mm. they they missed it. They got stopped by the train, and it was forever long. I lost radio connection. Everything. I was so far out. But then, when you hear them on the radio, it's like the best thing ever. When you hear them calling you. <laughs> oh yeah, I made. Yeah. An, I think a, a we've mistake. all had
2: those moments of getting stuck out there for whatever reason, and the twenty-minute pull goes to forty or fifty, and you're just. It takes a while to recover from that.
0: Oh yeah, you can imagine even just the psychological effect. I know I've made a mistake. Of course, in my background, it's Monument Valley. For some reason, I thought I had to make a right turn. It, it you know just across the border where there was a four ways, and um, it was supposed to just go straight through. Anyway, super hot feeling miserable, psychologically really impacted me. So I could just imagine with the train tracks, all the heat, loss of communication, that's really tough. And I'm sure you were hammering it out there. And kind of on that subject, you know, when you guys are on your TTs, you're racing across, particularly on a flatter section, you know, not too bad of winds. um, What is a kind of a good average uh, speed for each of you?
1: Dead, dead, calm, no winds, um, flat. I would say we were all. I was. I'm trying to hit like 30 miles an hour for 20 minutes if I can. 29, 30, it, yeah. it ends, but somewhere right around in there. Wow. Yeah. It also depends
2: if we were on the four man or the eight man because yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: In the four man, you know, you had to be very careful not to go 31. <laughs> Whereas yeah. in the in the eight man, you could you could gamble. You could really put it out there and still
0: recover. That's amazing. I so, think,
3: I think our, our record for the A-man is what? Like just under 25 miles per hour average. Yeah. So if you figure out all the climbing and all the stops and everything, you have to go, you have to go well above 30 on those
0: flats just to reach that. Jeez. Yeah. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's like
2: when you hit the flats on a four man, you're thinking I'm kind of blown up because they went through the mountains. I need to try to save just a little bit here on these flats before I hit the next set of mountains. But in the eight man, you're like, this is where I'm going to make up time. I need to go hard now.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Hard. Yeah.
0: Sounds super painful. Okay. Who of the four of you Phil, not being here is the fastest or strongest?
1: Uh, (laughs) I, I, I don't, yeah, I think we're all strong in our own ways, you know, Phil and Phil and Tony can climb like mad, Um, you know, Kurt can time trial really well. Um, I'm just a powerful rider. I can kind of ride a good 4% climb, probably as good as anybody. It's the 15% climb that, you know, these guys will walk away from me. Mm. So uh, I think I think that's what made our team so unique is we were strong. And, and we would switch off riders in certain areas when we could, if we could. Yeah. Yes. To benefit our strengths. Hmm. Yeah. yeah we sense. would,
2: we would call audibles, you know, if, if me Phil and Chris were in the van at the same time, we would try to save Chris for the descent.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Talking about descent, Chris, you you were supposed to descend the glass elevator, right? And it didn't actually end working in the documentary.
1: Phil it was supposed oh, to be okay. Phil. And it's funny because we, you know, leading up to the glass elevator, it, you know, it's one of these weird, you think it's like, oh, there's the top, there's the top, like where that's where we're going to be. And the next thing you know, you're already descent, you're like, wait a minute, what, what just happened? We're, we're going downhill. And we knew it, we knew to watch for it, we knew. And we left poor Tony out there with a disc wheel going down the glass elevator with <laughs> 30, 40 mile an hour desert winds it's not fun for him. It's not fun mm-hmm. for us. It's certainly not fun for Ken, the van driver, he, you yeah. know, it just one of those things. And, you know, we, again, we just have to laugh it off that yeah. we just screwed it up. <laughs>
2: well, I yeah. think it's, um, it's one of those things where if you're going to take Ram seriously, you better practice descending on your TT bike.
1: Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't,
2: you can't just, you know, say, I'm oh, I'll just wait till, race time to get used to that.
1: You know, I, I would like to point out Justin, but mm-hmm. that that's a good example of just how serious our team was because in all actuality, like, yeah, Phil, he descends like a madman and can go fast and faster than Tony, but all in, maybe he's a minute and a half faster, but that minute and a half to us is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going for a record or we want to win, every second counting for us
3: yeah. not only that but i think you got to put the glass elevator in perspective that's that's really like the, what the first five or six hours of the race or so mm. and our philosophy has always been to get out quick and get out early and not have anyone in front of us and that's kind of what we did the past couple of years is, is from the glass elevator even before that on there was no one in front of us so we didn't have any traffic in front of us and we kind of kind of controlled the shots as far as where we wanted to go so That's why we're so stressed out about that part. We just wanted to be out there in front and not have anyone catch us at all.
0: Mm, Yeah, so true. I guess that intimidation factor. And in the 2016 RAM, which is the focus of the documentary, you guys ended up beating the eight-person team, right? Yes. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Yeah, it just goes to show how fast you guys were going. And in 2016, uh, Team Working Nation... Uh, in your most recent 2018 team Beamer, right?
3: Yeah, right. we have we have the honor of not we've never been beaten by an eight man team. The first year we lost the four man, but we never got beat by an eight man team. So in the four years we've done it, we've had the fastest time as far as all the eight man teams.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, that's an interesting fact to learn. That's just insane. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show.
2: started ourselves on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely should because, you know, in all the guests we've had on the show, of course, we've had many uh, elite and very strong athletes, mostly solo though, few relays. I think you guys are definitely the fastest relay team we've had on the show so far. So it's very interesting to talk with you because, of course, you guys are are looking at the race from a whole different perspective and paradigm. And so I want to get into that more as we get going along. But so far, very fascinating. And in the documentary, we can get a really good sense of how you guys were thinking. And also, of course, with all the logistics of having so many riders and crew and all these small details, they all add up and it can be pretty stressful as well. But um, on more fun, less stressful notes, let's ask a couple of fun questions here about what you guys eat and drink. So let's go around. I want to learn what is each of your favorite snacks and your favorite hydration when you're racing Ram or just training? Tony, why didn't you go first?
2: Um, well, it was always a bit challenging for me because I'm, or I was vegetarian, still am. But um, my favorite snack was probably mangoes or dates, something like that. Um, and I would drink whatever we had. I did. I, I wasn't picky by that by that time. There's just eat and drink as much as you possibly can.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's one strategy. (laughs) All right, Chris, how about you? What's some of your favorite goodies?
1: Um, On the bike uh, today, I'm just kind of dedicated to cliff bars because I can get them at Costco, and Mm. I almost exclusively ride with just water. Um, If I'm doing something big, um, I will put like agave nectar uh, Mm. in my bottles. Um, just because it's kind of a slow burning sugar gives me a little bit more upper. Um, and, uh, it just works for me, no stomach issues. Um, so I'm pretty chill with that. Um, during Ram, it's like Tony said, whatever I can shove in my mouth at that point, it's somewhat not going to get you all gutted up, um, or not have too much salt. Um, I, Mm -hmm. me, I typically ride very, very well, on protein uh so that's always my go-to the night before a race if i can have a steak um that's a that's a big thing for me i always ride well the next day i don't know if it's the vitamins the meat whatever you know but uh you know phil and tony are good with a salad and it works for them
0: now remind me who was it in the film uh i think it was somewhere in arizona or no maybe it was somewhere else but someone's mother had visited i think and she brought butter and I think was <laughs> also, also there. Yeah,
1: Phil's mom, yeah. Phil, Phil's mom uh, she's an amazing woman. Um, and she always, every time I see her, she's in Arizona. So if we go out and visit or if I'm out in Arizona, we'll stop by. And she always makes, she churns her own butter. And for whatever reason, it's really good. And so I'm always asking her for butter. And every year she would bring me butter at the Arizona stop in Congress. And so I'm like, where's my butter?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm sure that goes down pretty nicely. It's just like drinking an insurer, you know, just slides right down. Very cool. <laughs> All right, Kurt, how about you? What are some of your favorite snacks and drinks on the bike? Uh,
3: I mean, I, I eat pretty healthy. We do a lot of like pastas, a lot of fresh fruit. Um, but in Ram, I, my diet's totally different. I mean, after the first day, you pretty much eat whatever your body will take in. Um, and, and your diet gets thrown out the window. I think in 2015, I think we discovered like pickles. So like every, every 20 minutes I'd eat a pickle and have some pickle juice. And that was kind of my savior, just because it was the past three years that we've done it, it's been super hot and and you sweat a lot. So, um, I'd say pickles are probably the go-to as far as uh, the best food in
1: Ram for me.
2: I forgot about that. I can't even look at a pickle outside of Ram, but during Ram, I want to drink the bottle.
1: Yeah, uh, it's funny the cravings you yeah.
3: get. When when Chris was talking, it reminded me of a story, and I think it was 2016 or 2015. We were in the middle of, I think it was like Missouri or, or somewhere. It was probably like one in the morning, and Chris was just craving steak. So we had one of our crew members go to like this bar and got Chris like this 15 ounce steak, and I'll never forget Chris just just taking a taking a fork and just grabbing it and just eating. it. <laughs> without even cutting it up. (laughs) But that's the kind of stories you have in RAM, you know? It's just like, you're never going to forget stuff like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of fun on the road. That's awesome. Okay, so talking about like steak and we talked about some other things, how about just after a nice long hard training ride or some event or maybe at the end of RAM, what is like a celebratory meal or a favorite post-ride meal that each of you guys like to eat?
2: Um. My favorite meal is, well, I have two, lasagna or swordfish. Pretty simple guy.
0: (laughs) Swordfish sounds kind of fancy, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Chris?
1: Uh, I typically, after a super long ride, like to cut into an avocado and just spoon it out straight away and probably with some sushi, some fresh tuna, ahi, something like that. Mahi, mahi.
0: Sounds really good. Kurt, how about you?
3: I'd say say a nice, big, juicy burger after a hard ride.
0: (laughs) All
3: right. We always try to to end before the bar closes right at the pier. I forget what bar that is, but we always go and have food there or at the buffet uh, upstairs that we go to, too. There's a couple places that we frequent there.
0: Yeah. A lot of good adventures and food. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, really curious. So do any of you train with a coach or have trained with a coach in any of your RAMs? And then also curious just about if you have taken on a regular basis an FTP functional threshold power test, and if you know what your current FTP is or your last good number that you'd like to share.
2: Um, I was coached for the first three RAMs that we did. Um, and hmm I'm trying to remember what my FTP was back then, but I don't. <laughs> um, yeah next.
1: <laughs> uh, I was not coached. Uh, I do I was uh, involved in a coaching firm um, as a coach and so I got some advice but I didn't have an official coach. Hmm. Um, it all the Rams I went in about 180 178 to like 182 um, pounds and my functional threshold for one hour was right around 385 watts um, at that time i would probably say it's close to 355 today um but i, I yeah, it's not lab tested that's just you know through my wahoo into my training peaks account
0: yeah cool all right Awesome, Kurt. How about you?
1: Uh,
3: I haven't had a coach in probably four or five years, um, so I just kind of use what I what I learned from my previous coaches. Um, the last coach I had was was on the track, so it, it doesn't really translate over too much uh, as far as RAM goes. But um, I, I really don't know what my FTP is. I mean, we haven't raced in two years out here, really, so. I couldn't even tell you what it is. And I've had no interest in doing a test yet. So (laughs) once we start up racing, I'll probably try to do the test, but I didn't want to torture myself right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it's been a kind of a pleasant break for you guys. You've been super busy with all the Rams. And I could just imagine there's a lot of training that goes into that to prepare to race at the level that you guys are intending to race. And of course, the four-person team records are ones that you still want to go for, and it has eluded you so far, but I'm sure we'll see that happen here in the next couple of years once things kind of open up and and Ram is back uh, on the road. Now, talking about terrain, each of you a very strong rider, but what are your preferred terrains? Uh, do you guys like the climbs, descents, rollers, or the flats?
2: Yeah. Um. I kind of like all of them, but just given my physiology, I tend to end up climbing more than the other guys, um, mm. which is fine. <laughs> um, but I did like for Ram specifically, I did practice climbing on my TT bike a lot because, uh, I still found that to just be the fastest way to get up most hills, unless it's like
0: 15%. Hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. So you actually were riding your TT on what most or all of the clients?
2: Um, the only time I would choose to ride my road bike is if I was going to pull uphill for the entire time. And if it was more than like four or 5%, maybe Yeah, like if there was any
0: flat or downhill, I would always take the TT bike. Mm. Yep. Makes sense. All right, Chris, how about you?
1: Uh, I, I like all terrains. Um, I think I'm a fairly good climber for my size. Um, yep. I, I almost take it as a challenge. Um, whether you're on rollers, um, flats, climbing, you just kind of peg your wattage meter to where you think, what you're capable of doing during that effort. And it's just, I think that's what makes the team unique too, is we're all kind of good at all of it. And obviously some have better strengths than others, but uh, none of us will shy away from anything.
0: Mm, yeah, that is unique, very versatile team. I'm sure that plays a big factor into your success. Like you guys mentioned, you know, Phil was supposed to descend the glass elevator, didn't happen, but Tony still did a great job. So um, very important to have that versatility. And you guys I are- I think all- it
2: also makes our team, like it, it makes it easier to plan or to strategize for us. We don't have to cater to something, right? We just keep the rotation going.
0: Mm. That's so true, Kurt. How about you? Your favorite terrain?
2: Yeah, I think I think
3: my favorite is definitely rollers, where you can keep your power going up and over. Because I'm kind of more of a power rider. Um, I'm definitely the worst out of the four of us when it comes to mm. like pure climbing. So um, <laughs> I can't wait for the section, especially in like Kansas, where it's just flat and side winds or a little bit of headwinds and. I, I kind of like divide the race up like pre-canvas and post-canvas. So uh, I really look forward to the that canvas section, which is pretty much all night for us.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah, very fascinating. Yeah, cool to get to learn a little bit more about each of you. Okay, talking about uh, going downhill and descending. What is your max speed going down a hill for each of you?
2: Um, sixty-six miles
0: an hour. Wow. Uh, sixty-eight. Holy cow! All right, Kurt. I'd say probably like sixty or
3: so. It's probably the lowest of you guys. (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice section of the movie of of Chris going down. You know, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) uh You got to realize too. I mean, we're going sixty-six down on on TT, but I don't know what what the record is, but. Uh, you know, going 60 miles per hour down on a TT bike, down in the drops, you know, with the disc wheel, it's it's pretty frightening, especially when you have big semis going by. And Chris kind of alludes to that in the movie, but um it could get kind of sketchy out there.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Actually, uh what descent was that? Was that Wolf Creek Pass?
1: Yeah, the backside of Wolf Creek Pass.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can only imagine. I've been on a couple of those descents myself and just on a road bike, regular wheels. And man, it it gets scary once you get into the forties, let alone get into the sixties. So you guys are insane. And as we're talking about the versatility of each of you being able to hit those speeds. I mean, you guys are very comfortable on the bike. Also very technically comfortable with maneuvering and keeping your wheels on the ground and keeping upright. So that's really phenomenal. Okay, so when do you guys like uh, training? Like time of day, morning, afternoon, evening?
2: Um, Typically, I enjoy working out in the afternoon or evening, but um, for most of my rams, I had to do that in the morning. Uh, That's just how life worked out then. But now I'm back to evening training.
1: Cool. Chris? Uh, I prefer mornings, for sure. I like to be on my bike by 30, 7 o'clock in the morning and, you know, be done by 10 a.m., something something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, good setup. Kurt, you, you're a morning trainer as well?
3: Uh, morning or early afternoon. I mean, I, I don't think this year I've ridden outside once yet. It's just been all indoor training, just, just with everything going on with the family and and Corona everything. So um, I try to pick uh, morning, afternoon. It gets hard in the evening time, you know, once you're doing a homeschooling and, and doing everything to try to get that motivation to ride in the evening time. So I try to hit it early.
0: Mm, yeah, a lot of challenges with uh, the pandemic, not just with the cycling events, but also just family life, balancing everything, figuring out some uh, new ways to go about uh, fitting everyone in the schedule and taking care of the family. So um, well done to all of you, and I'm sure everyone watching, making it through this uh, difficult time. Uh, now, do you guys think ultra cycling requires more physical or mental training and strength? Curious to hear from each of you.
2: Um, I think ultra cycling is, like, if you want to do it, it's mostly mental. Um, if you want to try winning it, then you need to make sure you do the right training t- physically, too. But I think through RAM, I learned just how much I was limiting myself with how I thought about things. Um, And if I could just remove those limits, you know, you can just go so much further than you really ever imagined.
0: Mm, Interesting. Give me an example. What is something, I don't know if it was captured in the film or perhaps just in your experience from all of your RAMs, uh, what has been some of the challenges uh, from a mental uh, standpoint? Does anybody else want to take this? Or?
3: I, I, mean, I, I think for, one of the main things for us is weather. I mean, you, you have no control over it. And, you know, with Ram, it's always, it's always like super hot or super windy or rainy or, you know, you never really have great weather and that's something you can't plan for. So for me, that's, I think, the biggest dumbing block for us.
0: Mm. Yeah, it was a tough one, and going three thousand miles across America. Of course, you ca- encounter all kinds of conditions, from extreme heat to cold, the wind, and uh, a variety of other factors. Okay, so um, Kurt, while you're up, uh, what do you think, mental or physical?
3: Um, I think, I think, pure, pure, like solo ram is definitely more mental. But once you get to the four man, the eight man, I think more physicality comes into it. So. I'd say four man. It's a combination of both. And eight man. It's it's probably more physical than mental. So mm-hmm. I think I think with us, we kind of jumble, you know, and, and juggle both both the physical side of it and the mental side of it. Mm.
0: Chris, how about you? What do you think?
1: Um, I think you have to, you know, be physically capable of doing it. I think physical in all aspects um, to do RAM. I mean, physically you can't have a cramping problem, you know, physically, you have to be able to ride and recover in a matter of hours. Um, The mental part of it is preparing yourself, you know, for the physicality, uh, preparing yourself for the lack of sleep, preparing yourself for whatever happens on the road. And at the end of the day, we can just high five each other no matter what the result is.
0: Yeah. I love that answer. It's so true. How the mental and physical kind of feed into each other. So how about when it comes to nutrition, what do you guys think? What role does nutrition play in the success of racing? Like you guys do as a team or individually, perhaps, you know, as a percentage or whatever way you want to quantify that.
2: Um, I think that I'll, I'll, put nutrition in in the general category of recovery um because after the first hour or two i mean you're really just trying to recover from all of your efforts and so I, I i would think that's huge i mean you know i think we've done well because we not only go out pretty fast but we're still going fast on days 4 and 5 and i think that's because we are recovering and a huge part of that is because like i know me personally i'm just Non-stop eating all day, and like right before I go to bed, I have like two full dinners. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine doing that on less calories. I just, I think we'd we'd all just crumble.
0: Mm. Yeah, so true. Same kind of question to Chris and Kurt, but also just wondering: Do any of you use any forms of liquid hydration? You know, things that are popular with other RAM, perhaps solo racers in particular, things like Ensure or even other popular brands like hammer nutrition or perpetuum, those kinds of things.
1: Uh, I've tried, I've tried everything you've mentioned. Um, for me, it's, and, and coming from a different stand different mindset than, than you, Justin, right? You're in it for the long haul, the 200, 300 mile days. We're in it to do 20 minute time trial wipe the slobber off your face when you're done moment. So we're not, the insurer isn't necessarily anything we're looking for. We're looking for a quick replacement, a balanced of sugars and proteins, carbs, simple complex, and lots of liquid. Um, whether it's, you know, water, Gatorade, a mixture, an occasional Coca-Cola for the caffeine bump, coffee in the morning, Um, It's anything to keep you motivated and recovering is the key that we're still riding as fast, producing the same amount of Watts we are on day four or five as we were on day one.
0: Yeah. Amazing. A whole nother ball game for sure. And I could just imagine it takes a lot of effort and intentionality to make sure that when you're not on the bike, you are eating so kind of to touch on that, um, Kurt, perhaps. And also, how many calories would you estimate you and the other team members are consuming on a daily basis? I mean, you can only have so many, but
3: I, I'm I think we probably do what, like six or seven thousand calories. I mean, we always have a game plan of what we want to do with nutrition, but you gotta realize that you know, say there's 20 people on a team, it's impossible to pack away 20, you know, people meals for seven days or six days or five days. So you know, we try to pack away some meals, but after the first day or two, you know, what are you going to do? You have to stop and get food. And our problem has been we've always been going, you know, as fast as we could and, and not had a lot of time to stop at places that, you know, we have to resort to like fast food or especially like one or two in the morning. There's no places to get food. So I think if anything, maybe that's one area we still need to probably improve upon. We've never had like a nutritionist aboard. We've never had someone that's solely just all about the food, and and that's probably one area we could maybe improve a little bit upon. But um, trying to get those calories in, you know, like I said, six or seven thousand calories a day. That's that's why we resort to you know sometimes burgers, fries, and stuff because that's what your body craves, and, and you need that sodium and and, and calories and. Um, we seem to do good on that. So I don't know one year we tried to go all organic and it was, it was pretty rough. And we kind of threw it out the window the last couple of days. Um, but like I said, trying to store food for that many days for that many people is, is impossible. And uh, we've always had that issue.
0: Mm, yeah. I could just imagine. It reminded me of one scene. Somebody was having a craving and requested some McDonald's. Who was that?
1: That's, That's cool. me. <laughs> i love my mcdonald's only once a year but man those those double cheeseburgers and big macs are absolutely it's to to me it's perfect it's got it's the right recipe it's got the protein it's got the simple sugars the carbs the you know everything that you need in it it's it's got the pickles and cheese i mean it's got everything you need
2: I can remember splitting Big Macs with Chris because I was a vegetarian and we were running low on food. And he would take the patties and I would g- grab everything else.
1: Yeah, oh totally. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious! Wow, great team effort, and wow, you guys really work well together. And Chris, amazing that you're willing to share that once a year. Willing to share that, cool. <laughs> Well, very cool getting to know uh, each of you in a little more detail in a fun way. Of course, I do want to turn back our attention uh, a little more into your RAM documentary. And here is uh, some photos on the website. Just let that kind of play through so we can get some idea. Of course, there's a videographer. There's a start line in Oceanside. Great view as always. Wow, beautiful scene here. Team Beamer. And of course, here in this next photo, we could see you guys are super arrow, nice arrow helmet there, making a climb, some of your crew. Tell me a bit about your crew for, uh, I guess, specifically the four-person teams. How, how many crew members do you have? How many vehicles? We've actually done it
2: like with a minimal crew and a pretty stacked crew. Um, the least amount we've had was, I think, nine crew members among three vehicles. And that was crazy to try to go that fast with that few people. Um, and then I think the biggest we were, were, um, four vehicles with about, I think Kurt, was it 18 crew members and then, and then the film crew, I forget. No, but, it wasn't
3: it. three, six, nine, no, it was only four, six, thir- 14. I think 14 in the, in the film.
2: Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah. Thing that that we pride ourselves on is is we've always been a really low budget team. Hmm. Um, you hear a team spend a two three hundred thousand dollars, and and you know we can get it done. And probably, well, our cheapest year was like a little under thirty thousand dollars, and our most expensive year was like sixty five thousand. That was for the eight man team. So, um, hmm. I think that's something that really kind of separates us from the rest. Is we can get it done on on such a small budget, which which we like. I mean, we can go out try to raise hundred thousand dollars and get a crew of you know. 25 people, but uh, I think it kind of takes away the meaning of RAM to us.
0: Right. Wow. That is incredible. Wow. 30,000. I mean, i would not even sure a solo racer typically is spending that little, but I suppose when you're having McDonald's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> two <nice>. for two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, in the film, there was a interesting uh, scene where you guys in Arizona had one of the vehicles—can't remember which one it was—battery uh, died, right? And there was an issue, but you guys had a couple MacGyvers on the crew, and it just kind of shows how important having the right crew members is. So, tell me about how you guys assemble your crew. Is it the same from year to year? Do you have a lot of overlap in terms of the crew members?
3: Um, I'll start this one, and you guys can can finish it, I guess, but. Uh, I think we've only had what one crew member that's been with us every every race. Um, our, our he's not a crew chief, but Ken Kramer. He's responsible. It's it's his van that we actually use for it, and he's he's a logistic guy when it comes to setting up all the vans with everything they need, and and he's on top of it at all times. But that was actually his van that broke down. It's it's a van that we've used every year, um, and we've outfitted. He takes pride in outfitting it exactly how we need it for every RAM. So. Um, it was actually the main band that broke down. It's the band that, that the riders are in at all times. So that's what kind of threw a wrench in our, our whole game plan. And that was the first night of RAM for 2016. Uh, other than that, we tried to piece together one year my dad was on the crew. The first year, um, 2015, Chris's dad was on the crew. It's, it's always just friends and family that we, that we get together. I mean, you got you to realize that you're asking these people to take nine days of unpaid vacation time and go across the country and live in a van with three other people. Sometimes they don't even know. So, uh, it's pretty, I mean, we're, it's pretty amazing that we can get these people to help us out. And it's, it's kind of what leads the, you know, the whole feeling of once you're done like you're, it's an amazing experience and and you created this whole new family.
0: Mm, Yeah. So true. And we're not
2: easy on our crew. (laughs) I mean, we, like I, I was kind of, the one who was trying to figure out exactly how to do the rotations and everything. And how do, and we basically went into it with how do we make this as easy as possible for the riders, no matter how hard it is on the crew. So we really rely on them in so many ways that I can't really describe. um, But we really try to make it as easy as possible for the riders, which makes it so much harder for the crew And, and they put up with it and they, they do a great job and we're so lucky to have them.
0: Mm, yeah, I can imagine. But also, I, I I suppose with all the experience that you each have, I'm sure for each new ram that you guys do, um, you're able to bring so much to the entire team and you can make the experience a lot easier for the crew members because you, you guys know what to ask for. You guys know how to set things up ahead of time. So it's not always running around like chickens without a head on during the race. Kind of touch on that, perhaps, uh, maybe, Chris, if you want to talk about that. And what I want to do is, uh, while one of you is talking, I want to go over some of the photos uh, showing some of the crew members.
1: Um, Yeah, the crew, um, people need to realize that are watching this. Um, Tony's absolutely right. We put a lot of stress on the crew, um, but people need to realize that the crew is, um, at least to me, I mean, the crew is as important as the writers
2: we, we should stop on that photo right there.
1: Um, I mean, isn't they, that Andre? What's that?
2: Isn't that Andre?
1: Uh, Andre.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Andre was a writer and a crew member. He, he he wrote it the first year and was a crew member. And he said that being a crew member is much harder than writing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it's funny because us, us writers, um, you know, all we have to do is ride right? Like that's all we have to do is ride. They have to make sure our bikes are prepped and our tires are pumped and our clothes are washed and our bed is made and our food is ready. And every thing that we ask for is in place. Um, but if you ask a crew member, all they have to do is have our tires pumped and, and ready to go. There's no way they're going to ride across the country on a bicycle and put their, their ass on a saddle for 17 16 hours a day and so it's really really funny when you break it down um just how important one another is to each other and then the crew i mean our crew is every one of our crew members have been pretty amazing
0: mm, that's so cool
3: we've actually got because we've got we've got caught it a few times especially in 2018 where we, uh, we came down to the wire with needing crew members and I actually put a post out on the Facebook Ultra Endurance page and uh, was able to land probably one of our best crew members that, that was just amazing. And we're going to use her again, too, if we can. So um, we use some pretty unique avenues to, to get our crew members, especially when it comes to a pinch, for sure.
1: <laughs> you know, and not only have we had Andre that was a rider the first year, but then be a crew member but um we had an official that followed us one year through through ram um and was so impressed um with our um our team um just how well we did how we stopped at all the lights and you know just ethics were spot on that he came and crewed for us the next year wow
0: that's so cool. And so that fantastic. was
1: the crew chief in 2018.
2: Yeah, he's the crew chief. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So it sounds like you guys definitely have a lot to offer in terms of an experience for your crews. And it sounds like everyone's having a great time and, and really willing to join you guys in the adventures that you guys embark on. Of course, you guys are fast, you guys are winning a lot, and now you now hold some records as of 2018. Now, the importance of crew is also evident in the scene where one of you was sleeping and it was very hot. can't remember what exactly had happened there, but one of your crew members actually made a homemade AC air conditioner using an ice chest and some uh, ducting, I think it was. Tell me more about that. That was really interesting, I thought. i never seen something quite like it, especially for Ram, and I thought it was kind of a genius idea.
2: Um, that was... Phil. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, go ahead. And that was Phil and it's it's a constant problem we always had um being out in the desert in California and Arizona. Um you know, it's maybe like 130 degrees out, so in the RV it's just it's still like 110 or 120. And you know, that's just Phil. He's like whatever it takes. I'll 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 help out however I can. And he he didn't think twice about trying to throw something together so that we could get our riders some sleep. And that's just, that's how all the crew members are, whatever it takes.
0: Yeah, I really saw that in the film. It came across so well. I think just uh, the videographer, uh, the film team did a fantastic job capturing that. And it was just really fascinating. It's, it's things like that, scenes like that in the documentary, which uh, shows that it, it's not just an entertaining film that you guys produce, but also there's a lot of unique tips and tricks that others can garner if they do check it out. So I highly encourage people to watch it. It's it's fun. It'll definitely inspire you to race, whether you're in a team or a solo rider, but it gives a good glimpse into what to expect. There are a lot of great shots as well of the scenery in general. And of course, um, a lot of great memories for you guys in that. Now, really curious What was the most difficult part for each of you um, in the 3,000 miles? Um, It doesn't have to necessarily be in 2016 when you guys uh, were filming the documentary. Uh, Perhaps just in general.
1: I know for me, without a doubt, the most difficult part was the Arizona Century. And it was in 2016 where we did not go through Sedona, I believe, because of forest fires at some point. And we had to go all the way around and it was 126 and it was absolutely miserable for everyone that mentally, physically was out of all four Rams that I participated in the hardest, um, probably seven hours I've ever had on a bicycle.
2: Wow. Yeah. I was there with you, Chris. <laughs> I woke up and took my first pull up that mountain out of, I forget what it was called, but when we started that 120 mile section. Yeah. yeah. And um, and at the end of that, they missed the exchange and I ended ended up going 40 minutes coming out of there. And then it was just the two of us, so short rest, and it was just a yeah. mess. But yeah. it was awful. but I would actually say that probably the the hardest challenges for me were in the first year, just because we didn't have that ultra endurance mindset yet. And I can remember being on day two pushing so hard, just thinking, how am I ever going to keep this up? How does, how does day four even happen? How does like the next hour even happen? I'm so tired right now. Mm. Um, But once you get that first Ram under your belt, I think it just changes your whole perspective and you know, you can do it. And then, you know, so even, you know, carrying that forward to 2016 when we were having that tough time that Chris was referring to, it's like you just know you're like I've done this before. I can I can get through this. You know, we can manage this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so talking about teamwork, you guys obviously don't live all together in the same ne- neck of the woods. How is the communication as you're preparing for RAM? Do you guys each just have your own training plans, and then? you guys ever ride together leading up to it? Or just give me some sense of how that all works out.
1: You know, we've been all teammates for years and years when we were racing together in LA. And then just over time and things change, um, you separate. Um, we've never trained together before an event. We've raced races together. We've spent a lot of time together. But specific RAM training, we never have done Um, we would go over hours, like which riders are going to ride, which hours. So some of the riders are riding more at nighttime. So they're getting more accustomed to doing that. Um, and just, you know, I, I think that if all of us got together tomorrow, um, that wouldn't even be an issue for us. Like our communication is so good with one another and always has been. Um, it's not even a remote concern. It's not even on the top 10 things to even be concerned about, mm. at least not from me.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Now, you know, when it comes to racing on a team for something like RAM or any other multi day event, um, surely there's a lot of challenges, things that, of course, you've evolved over time since your very first RAM together. What are some of your top tips? For folks looking to sign up for a relay team to form one, maybe they haven't done one before, or perhaps even existing teams are looking to better their own game. What has helped you?
2: Kurt, you haven't gone in a while. <laughs> uh, I'd
0: I say, like, plan as
3: much as you can, but be ready for anything. I mean, Ram throws these knuckleballs at you every single day, and you can never be ready form, you know, be it the weather or breakdowns or, um, just lack of sleep. I mean, there's uh, getting sick. I mean, you just never know what to expect. And I think every year, especially in 2016, we were, we were throwing a ton of curveballs. and, uh, you know, it's about how, how you react to them and how you come out of them. And, uh, and the other thing is just, just to make it fun. I mean, we've, you know, we've been competitive we've always tried to break the record. So it's a bit stressful, but we still had a fun time doing it. And I think that's the main thing. Just that's what RAM is all about: is 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 making it as fun as possible for you and your crew.
0: Yeah, so true. Anyone else want to add to that?
1: Uh, I think you, uh, if you if you're going to do RAM as a relay, um, I think you need to have a real sit down with your team, and 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 have a real, like a realistic conversation about. How real it is. I mean, anybody can go out and train for like a double century, right? And there's a lot of people that can do a double century and you can pound it out and take 20 hours to do it, you know? But RAM, it's different with the curveballs and the weather. And then with you got to get up the next day and do another 200. And you got to get the next day and do another 200. If that's not real to you when you're thinking about doing RAM, and all your teammates and all your crew then you shouldn't do it Uh, you have to be prepared because the disappointments of failing will just haunt you forever nobody wants to turn around and nobody wants to take 20 days to do it either
0: yeah so true now really curious um, you guys were in la then before together have any of you ever ridden in the California Triple Crown series of double centuries, either for just the race or for preparation or training? No.
3: Oh. I did, I did the, the double century out of Pepperdine. I figure which one that L.A. Willman, I think it was, uh-huh. um, but Grand never Ford. done a Triple Crown.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating.
2: Eh? We came from like, you know, regular like road racing and criterion backgrounds and mm-hmm. Kurt off the track and then went from there straight into ultra render and stuff with RAM.
0: Yeah, that's pretty insane progression, almost from zero to hundred instantaneously. Of course, now with all the RAMs under your belt, I mean, you know, it's, um, it's not the same as when you're trying to do your first one, you have no idea, you have so much experience and you know what to expect. And now it's just a matter of optimizing your strategy figuring out everything as it relates to your gear, your crew, your race strategy. Now, so I'm curious, in terms of training for RAM, what does kind of a peak month or two leading up to RAM look like? How many hours are you training every week?
2: Um, I do remember these numbers. Um, <laughs> I was doing upwards of like 22 to 24 hours a week um, in like February, Um, And then it would start coming down from there with more intensity being added in. Um, And that was, I think, more than enough to be ready for rain. I don't know. I think I'm guessing I was probably on the higher end of volume on our team. Whereas, like, I think Chris and Phil, I mean, Chris will speak for himself, but I think they were a lot more intensity. um, Yeah,
1: that's what I was just going to say. I was probably more like 18 hours of training a week. Um, but I was definitely focused on the 20-minute efforts. Um, I'd go out. I definitely do the long ride once a week, like 100-mile ride once a week. But my other long ride wasn't necessarily miles long. It was 20 on, then come home, chill, 20 off, 20 on, 20 off, 20 on, 20 off. Mm-hmm. That to me was the hardest part of RAM is when we were swapping off by 20 minutes. And you had to get through those two hours it was you know that that's it's 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 kind of mind-boggling to look back and be like man we were actually doing that that was pretty <laughs> insane i think De- chris and phil definitely they were
3: they were the, like the race mentality like i remember them going to tulsa tough i think it was like two weeks before around i'm just like if you guys crash out i'm gonna be so pissed off but mm-hmm. They, I mean, they raced up until a week before Ram. And I remember Chris one year, you know, he raced a week after Ram and he like lapped the field, like, you know, no problem because his fitness was so intense. But, uh, Tony and I, I know Tony would take more of the route of, he would actually do his 12 hour stints and, you know, he'd go out a couple of times and do his 20 minutes on 20 minutes off. So he was definitely more like Ram centric as far as his training goes. And, and Chris and Phil were just like, we're in top shape to train, to, to race. So, you know. Ram's going to be not a problem for us. And it never was. And I was kind of, uh, I was kind of in the middle ground. I was, you know, juggling trying to get Ram together for us and trying to put miles in. So my, my miles were more just like training miles, a lot of interval
0: stuff, not too much racing. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Jeez. We all,
2: we all just trusted that everyone else was going to get to the start line ready to race. And we didn't ask each other about training or, you know, we just, we just had a, a, you know, a respect for each other.
0: Mm, that's amazing so really curious to know then what keeps all of you individually so motivated to put in so many hours and so much intensity in your workouts from one ramp to the next
1: our competitiveness
0: yeah we still don't have that four-man record
1: (laughs) yeah the desire the desire to win
2: um I think also like once you do a ram like i i mean i i still i love it i want to do it again (laughs) it's just fun yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure
2: and you don't want to show up out of shape it's (laughs) you know that's always in the back of your mind you you know you don't you don't show up out of shape for that it's too big
0: Mm. yeah having that self-motivation um is so key and of course, through this whole conversation it's evident that each of you is a high performing athlete and I'm sure individual in every aspect of your life so that's really cool. Now, you guys talked a lot about uh, road racing. So, I'm curious, what category um, have you guys been racing in? I think
1: we're I'm not cat, cat one.
2: one on the road. And I think we're all cat ones on the road or
1: Yeah, I think we're all cat we we are. I don't think we all are cat ones. But now we're all masters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can race 50
3: plus now, which is great, except there's no races. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. I just signed up for a race here for 50 plus, and it took me a minute to hit the button. I'm like, wow, <laughs> 50 plus.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, it was nice to have Chris join us in the show. Of course, he had a run, many other duties in life, other than cycling, although it's a lot of fun to talk about it, especially with your teammates, I could imagine. So you guys have been super busy with all the training you've gotten into the category of one, uh, for racing. I mean, that is not an easy feat in itself. Um, tell me about balancing your life, uh, with your family, with your careers, other hobbies, perhaps.
2: Um, I know that for me, um, I have a hard time balancing it, um, to the point where, especially now having done RAM so many times that like, to me, cycling is it's like a unit that takes up a lot of time and I have a hard time committing to it if I can't like get over a certain level of training. So if I don't have like at least 10 to 15 hours a week, it's like, I don't even want to do it. Um, So I have to like work very hard to carve out enough time before I even start to work toward a goal. Um, and it's amazing. Cause it's, <laughs> I don't know how deep you want me to get on this, but, um, it's almost like how busy I am in life doesn't actually seem to matter. It's like, I just need to decide that, no, this is super important to me right now. If I don't have this, like, I'm not a happy person. So I just need to make time for this. And it doesn't matter how many other things are going on in my life. If I just decide that I'm going to carve out like 10 to 15 hours a week, it, it always happens. Um, so for me, it's just deciding that that's a priority and then everything else just sort of falls into place and everything usually gets better because I've done that. Um, and I don't know how many times I have to relearn this lesson that when I get busy, I shouldn't let go of the cycling because it, it does make me a happier person and everything around me gets better when I do that, when I can set aside that time. Um, so I would encourage anybody to, you know, just protect that time for yourself to Mm -hmm. devote it to whatever you want. Um, Everything else will get better.
0: Yeah, that's really good, Tony. I can say, I can relate, especially in this last year with the pandemic. I also have a one-year-old son and um, geez, the times on the bike are really important and meaningful uh, for a variety of reasons. Everybody has their own, but I know there's a lot of overlap as well. So Kurt, curious about you as well, balancing life, keeping cycling there in your life as well?
3: Yeah, so I I have a seven-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old, and and it's the four-and-a-half-year-old was actually due when we were doing round 2016. So every pull I get off off, and I get on the phone to make sure that my wife wasn't in labor yet. So that was another stressor that I had with uh, the 2016 race during the movie. But um, now with the pandemic and um, just with everything going on, I mean, I, I thrive on weekly group rides and going out and just hitting it hard and for the past year I haven't been able to do that because there haven't really been group rides and those that are going on I don't feel safe doing them right now so Hmm. all my riding has been inside and on Zwift and you know it's nice because it's safe I can get a great workout in and in two hours I can do 45 miles and and have the door open have my kids here and everything and that's kind of my focus right now is is doing that. Although I do crave, um, you know, going out and hitting a nice group ride. They're just they're just not around right now, and I, I wouldn't do it if there were just because you know I don't I don't feel safe right now. But um, I'm just craving that time when when everyone's going to be safe and the group rides are going to be back on and and I can start hitting it hard. Um, otherwise, it just gets a little monotonous. But you know, I'm still putting in you know forty forty five miles a day as much as I can. Um, but it, it gets a little boring. <laughs> Not gonna
0: lie. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it's not quite as fun. I do miss the group rides here, where I am also in California. But um, yeah, a whole another discipline, and you know, hopefully, it's over soon, and we can go back to fun as usual. Now, what do you guys think? Most people don't realize about ultra cycling, whether it's a non-cyclist or a non-ultra cyclist, like a fellow road racer.
3: I'm amazed at the at the mental strength of the ultra endurance cyclists, because i don't i don't consider myself ultra endurance yeah. i mean I, I do you know i do maybe i did the 12 hour i tried to do a 24 hour um uh, time trial championship and and uh, the system didn't work right for me so i was able to do 12 hours but i think that's my cutoff um i hmm. i can't i can't imagine how those guys can sit on the bike for 21 22 23 hours a day like Strasser, just that—that that just blows me away, and that's on a whole different level than what we do. I consider ourselves yeah. more sprint, ultra, endurance cyclists, but um, I, I just couldn't imagine the, the mental strength that those guys have, and I, I just—I don't see myself having it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, having done the four-person relay, I know I couldn't do solo. <laughs> There's no way. I mean, people think what what Kurt and I have done is crazy. And I'm like, you have no idea what those solos guys go through. There. <laughs> it's a whole other yeah. level of crazy. <laughs> I can't, I can't even imagine that.
0: At the level that you guys are racing, I would say it's uh, comparable, just different. I mean, you guys are going really hard, really fast the whole time. And of course, I mean, you've even beaten an eight person team. So that just goes to show what kind of performance you guys are putting in. But you raise. Uh, They're not a- even
2: the same race as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Like solo ram and and what we do as a relay, they're just they're not. I mean, the only the only similarity is that they're on the same course. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, that you know that is that is true. There's a lot of uh, reasons to that. I mean, whole different dynamic, strategy, tactics. We talked about like nutrition and other things like that. But on the subject of solo ram, uh, either of you two or any of your other team members, uh, Phil or Chris. Any ambitions to do even a two-person team, or perhaps even one day a solo, as a bucket list kind of item? Yeah,
3: no, Chris, Chris, and Phil pushed me and Tony to do two man. I think it's more because they want to do a four man <laughs> with us doing a two man. But I, I have no interest in it. We had one of our eight man teammates uh, of 2018 wants to do a solo, but that's he's just crazy. I, I would never. I don't even think I want to do a two man.
0: <laughs> what about you, yeah. Tony?
2: I think, I think Phil always said it best. I like riding my bike fast.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, that's true.
3: It's amazing when we do the four man and the eight man, you know, once we get into day, you know, three and four and five, we start kicking off the solo guys and and we have mad respect for those guys. I remember, I remember passing one of the guys and uh, you know, he kind of got right behind me and, and, we had a good little laugh. And we spent a couple miles riding together, and then we pulled off. and His crew came up and gave us expressos. and It just it's so cool to see those solo guys. and And sometimes they just look like zombies out there, and you just go like, "Wow, these guys are amazing." I don't know how they do it, but um, it's always really cool to run across them and and ride with them at least a little bit once you're towards the end of the race.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I suppose just like how you guys have figured out how to do what you do. Of course, you guys like riding your bikes really fast. And uh, man, I'm not sure uh, as a solo uh, participant, if I would want to race at the speed that you guys are racing. I mean, that is crazy. I'm just descending alone at the speed you guys go. I'm not sure I would even want to descend at that speed on one descent.
3: (laughs) We have like, like you can see in our movie, like towards day four or five, you can see like we have saddle sore issues and, you know, this is just riding, you know, a quarter of the time. I can imagine how those solo guys, how they handle that. Like it's just, it's just miserable out there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for us, like when we hit the Appalachians, it's like, Hey, at least I only have to do a quarter of this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's when you're tired and your legs are blown to pieces. And you know, we can still rest and those guys are just, it's just a nonstop slog at that point.
0: Okay. As we kind of draw near to the end of this um, nice discussion, nice conversation we're having, would love to have you guys back on the show in the future. I'm I'm sure that there's many more Rams uh, still to be had and many more records. Just wondering what tips do you guys have for people wanting to get started with ultra cycling?
2: Um, I mean, if you're cycling already, and you wanted to try something larger, um, I think for me, what, what helped me was that I, I found some people who were doing like some longer rides. Like, um, you know, I, I had done like a century, and then I found a group who wanted to do a double, and, you know, I eventually built up and did a double, and was like, oh, that was hard, but I can do it. Uh, so you just need to like slowly build out your comfort zone, um, mm-hmm. and just you know recenter your perspective into longer and longer events, and then you realize that you know I I could do I can do these longer things, uh, and for me it helped to just find other people who were doing it so that it was fun. I wasn't just out there suffering alone.
0: Mm, good tips. How about for you, Kurt? Tips for those in ultracycling.
3: Definitely the same thing. Definitely find like a local club that does rides. Um, and then look for, you know, the centuries, the double centuries, triple centuries around you um, and start getting on the forums, like, you know, the ultra cycling forum on Facebook. And it's definitely, I mean, there's, it's, it's a tight group of people. It's unlike racing. Uh, it's it, it's not that competitiveness that racing has um, to me. It's just really cool laid back group uh, of people across the world that you, you can start, you know, getting in contact with and, I mean, I think to me, that's a great place to start. And then, uh, you know, open it up from there. Once you start doing your first 100, I think you'll probably be addicted. And, and I mean, once things, you know, with this pandemic kind of pass by us, there's usually ultra events like every, you know, every couple of weekends in different areas of the country. So um, just immerse yourself into it. Have fun. Don't take the competitive side of it and uh, start putting the miles in. ultra endurance is all about putting miles in you can't go out and do a 200 mile ride with little miles in your legs and that's that's to me that's the main thing
0: yeah great tips thanks for sharing those very true gradual progression and i think you hit the nail on the head there you know just getting started with that first one and then you definitely do get kind of addicted just like ram and I mean, it shows even with you guys, you have all shown up to the starting line and made it to the finishing line of Ram on a number of occasions and there's still more to come. So um, really love having you guys in the ultra cycling family as well. And just two final questions here as we wrap up. Fun one here. How would you guys rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance on a scale of one to ten, being exceptional?
2: <laughs> um, that's a tough question because we had like... Some amazing mechanics on our team. So while I might have thought I was probably like a seven or an eight, I think that the level of 10 has gotten so much higher. So I'll probably put myself down around like a five or a six, mm. and I can completely tear down a bike and put it back together. But the guys that we've had crew for us are just amazing.
0: So. Mm. Interesting. Kurt, how about you?
3: Yeah, I think, I think our last crew we had. We had three really good mechanics on it, and they were there was a competition between those three. It was almost like we had to separate them because okay, you're <laughs> on this amount of time, you're on this for this amount of time, because they all wanted to you know take the lead and and be in charge. And uh, it's it's pretty cool to have three guys, especially now with the with the disc brakes and you know with the the TT bikes and the Di2s and like you know there's stuff that you need to know. I mean, I'll never forget one ram we had. Um, I think yeah. they built the Di2 <laughs> down. And our mechanic broke out his, his laptop and had to reprogram it like in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. So um, it props to our mechanics for sure. <laughs> and I put myself down probably like below Tony, like a two or three, because I haven't had to. I've had, you know, I've had these mechanics I can rely upon.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Thanks for having that fun uh, question there. Okay. Who do you guys want to nominate for a future episode on the show? Uh, what story has inspired you or that you think is worth sharing?
3: I'd, I'd say, uh, I, I have a friend Evans who, who did, the. I, I, I had him over to dinner like three or four years ago. Cause he was interested in the, in the, doing the two man. And, uh, he did the two man two years ago and, and broke the record. And now he wants to do so he was going to do it this year. Um, and that didn't, or last year didn't happen And this year he's going to do it, but he got in a pretty bad car accident. So, um, He's pretty interesting. I'd say he's probably one that I'd like to hear more about uh, on your show if you can, if you can grab him.
0: Yeah, cool. All right. Tony, think of anyone? <laughs> well, amongst the f- four of you, one missing though, but here in spirit, you guys are all fascinating. Glad to have had you on the show. Learn more about your stories, about your Ram adventures. Very interesting. I'm sure everyone watching uh, we will find a lot of uh, joy and also entertainment and of course the tips and the inspiration in your film i want to show this nice photo here one of the years you guys at the finishing line of course a photo courtesy of vic there at race across america and there you guys are looking great happy and super arrow
3: <laughs> that's 2015 we were team live earth back then
2: yeah uh, okay our first win
0: yeah. Very cool. And of course,
3: that year was probably the the least fun in my mind just because we were out there so far in advance, so far ahead of everybody and there was no competition. And, I mean, we kind of made it more fun towards the end, but, uh, that was the one year I think we didn't really have competition. was it Tony. The other three years, it was up until the end.
2: Well, and that was, I think the worst weather in 2015. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can remember hitting Kansas and doing 18 miles an hour on the flats.
3: And that was a year the Mississippi flooded. So there's probably like two or 300 miles of race change, like right in the middle of the race. And there was even some sections where we had to get in the car and follow an official to a new section because everything was flooded. So uh, that was a crazy year.
0: <laughs> a lot of the adventures of Ram and ultra cycling Well, it's been a great pleasure to have you guys on the show. Thanks for all that you do in terms of making some fun viewing experiences for us at home as we track you guys across America. You guys are going so fast. Of course, here you are at the starting line in Oceanside, starting together as a team. And then, of course, uh, then you guys all peel off and one person does their first segment. And of course, for those interested, they can check out your Film, 4x3000, available where? Amazon is one of them. Where else?
3: And it's available on iTunes in 4K. That's the only platform that's 4K. Uh, and Google. So any three of those platforms, just look up 4 by 3000 to search and uh, you'll find the movie.
0: Awesome. And then, of course, check out the team here on Facebook at 4x3000. Of course, you guys also raced in the eight-person team Beamer, also has a website, teambeamer.com. So guys, it's been a real pleasure. Well done and all your achievements. Congratulations on the records that you guys hold in the eight-person team. Looking forward to the next RAM where you guys are there at the starting line, having uh, that start to another grand adventure. And hopefully we get to see you guys setting that four-person team relay record. Any final words that you have for those watching at home? want to go Kurt? <laughs> uh,
3: I, I just, I, I really love being part of this, of this forum and, in the ultra endurance world, because like I said, it's, it's, it's a family. Unlike you know, like Tony and I and Chris and Phil, we've all raced for years and it's so competitive and, um, it's just a totally different experience with the old ultra endurance. And, uh, it's, it's a nice segue for me from racing to go into this kind of environment. And, uh, I really appreciate everyone that, that gives us the time and watches the movie and, and follows Ram. Um, it, it's amazing that you'll see it in the movie, but you'll be going across Ram and you'll be in the middle of nowhere and you'll see people in front of their house that have been there for five days because they follow Ram and they want to see you go by. And it's a, it's a really touching experience to, to, to know that there's people out there that, that uh, take time and, and, and watch the event and, and follow you and, uh it, it's pretty amazing to to be a part of that mm, yeah i guess
2: i would say if if you're thinking about doing it or if you're on the fence just find a way to commit to do it you you won't mm-hmm. regret it it's you know it it went from something i would i really wanted to do to something i was so happy i did and i'm i mean i'm so fortunate to have kept doing it um mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I wish other people could experience that too yeah,
3: yeah me that.
2: me if Tony
3: are probably Probably four or five years before 2014, we we tried to plan RAM, and and there was always one thing or another that came out, and we we couldn't do it. And then we were fortunate enough in 2014 to finally do it. And, and I gotta say that I'm so I'm so happy that we kept up with it, and we were able to kind of you know get our first one on our belt. And and obviously you know we we wanted to do one and done, and we got addicted. And now four four Rams later, we're ready to do it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing how that happens, but. Yeah, again, well done. It's incredible what you guys are able to achieve and just to think that it it can only get better. So looking forward to having you guys back on the show again for your next Ram or any other ultra cycling event that you guys participate in. Would be fun to see you guys racing. Well, I suppose not all of you in California anymore, but in some of those double centuries, uh, it's always nice to see the fast guys and see what you guys can achieve. I mean, you guys are a whole whole other beast uh, and class of athlete as category one racers here in the U.S., and so, thanks again for all that you do uh, for the sport in providing the entertainment and also setting those records, setting the high bar. That competition is really healthy. And um, yeah, we'll see uh, what other teams you come head to head with. But for those interested, definitely check out 4x3000. Watch that film if you want some inspiration, if you're just curious, you're not familiar with Ram or you are, and you're just looking for some insights into bettering your own experience, whether you're racing in a relay team or if you're a solo racer, it's a really well-done film. It'll give you a lot of inspiration, so check it out. Until next episode, everyone, keep spinning ultra.